Hi, and welcome to Practical Reliability. I'm your host, CEO of Reliability X, George Williams. I am here with none other than the most amazing man in maintenance and reliability, Mr. Ramesh Gulati. Ramesh, welcome. Thank you, George. The most amazing man. Hey, no, I'm learning, still learning. A lot to learn in this world. That's what makes you so amazing. You continue yes. to learn and share. I, that's that's yeah. what we love about you. All right, so Ramesh, we've got um, a very advanced topic, or maybe not, I guess we'll find out. Um, we're going to talk today about Industry 4.0. And by the time we release this, it'll probably be Industry 5.0, and we're already behind the times. <laughs> Uh, so why don't we? Uh, why don't you tell me? You know what industry 4.0 is, and why 4.0? Well, again, when I talk and go to places and teach, people ask, "What is this industry 4.0?" We, are, many of us, are still learning what industry 4.0 is. So let's go back, talk about where the whole thing started. Industry 1.0, 1. 1.0, whatever you industry one, we can call it way back happened over 100, 200 years ago. We can call it about, you know, about 1700 to 1800, where industry just started. And that time we were talking water and steam engines and those kind of things. That's just started learning about industry. And that time was mostly about steam power and water power dams, and that's what we were generating our power. Okay. Then came industry two, or industry revolution started at the start of the 20th century, you can call it. There we started doing ma mass production to speak, where like uh, your, uh, uh, the Ford, uh, what's a, the car, I mean, we, uh, the Ford Model, just started. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Model, Model T, T. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Model T, that's what they started, and that's what mass production started, a little bit of uh, auto industrial automation, we can call it, started there. Then came in, we can call it in just a 60, 70 years ago, we started our industry 3.0 is a uh, late 50s and is third industrial revolution. It was analog and machine, mechanical technology, lot more automation started taking place. That's what we call it industry 3.0. Okay. Thing is, from one to two took almost 100 years. Then it's kind of a, took 50 years or something. Now 50, 60 years. Now industry 4.0, happened just in a couple of decades ago, you can call it 90s or 2000, somewhere we started Industry 4.0, which was more, as we can see, a lot of our iPhone and all these things, more digital thing world, we can call it. We came in a digital world and started digitalization, we started talking, converting our data to digital format. And, you know, I remember, you know, back in when I came in this country, I was in Buffalo, and people started, you know, music, and I knew I knew a couple of guys. I was going to the University of Buffalo there just to learn about computers, and there were few people are talking about learning about how to change sound to digital format. I'm talking 1970s. Yeah. I mean, that's what was happening. 
you know, that time, who cared? We, I didn't care. Hey, that's, but now, really, those kind of things started happening in the 70s and 80s, and now we are seeing, hey, everything is digital. How we are looking movies and all these things on our computer, we can watch. And that's a digitalization. You know, so we are in industry 4.0, where we have now on our machines smart sensors, which can talk to each other, which can take the not just one temperature, they can measure the pressure, they can do a lot of things together. One sensor can do two, three, four things together. And they're talking to other sensors on the machine and they are, may make a decision, hey, let's call the technician because that's a little bit bigger problem. Let's send a work order to our CMMS system so technician come and evaluate a little bit more detail. So those are kind of things are now happening is a industrial revolution for industry for all. That's what it's called. So I think a lot to learn. We are all learning, but I think we got a lot of uh, digital uh, tools available to us to do this uh, digital technology, you know, so that's, uh, and it's going to change our life. It has changed our life, you know. How long, I mean, now we don't have to carry big boxes. Our phones can carry a lot of information. In fact, in our workplace, our technicians are having a, phone or iPad or, or there we have they have all the information what they need for that day to do you know so those are kind of a improvements industry forum is bringing to our workplace to help us do our job better right so why is that important why why so you know you go through all these industrial phases and you know you you talk about the steam engine and you know there were regulators and indicators um like the steam balls that would fly out right on the regulator and you'd you'd know how you'd know how much power you're producing or how much power you're sending downstream so there were indicators for the operator then you get into the beginnings of analog signaling and you know just to use your basic example in audio you, you know we're now using tubes um, and we have the ability to amplify sound versus, you know, using a shell or an amphitheater behind us. And we can create amplifiers. And so we're, we're creating devices that can do work for us. Um, and then you get to, well, my VCR has a clock on it, but if I unplug it, the clock, and unplug it back in, the clock doesn't have a memory. So it just, it's done, right? It's digitalized. But there's no memory. It's not talking to any central clock or timekeeping place like your computer does to display it. So we're at Industry 3.0. And now at 4, we're communicating to other things. And in 4, your devices upstream are talking downstream and everything is integrated. And if my filler, you know, if, if a box jams, my filler now stops or it goes and reroutes to some accumulator. What are the what if I'm in maintenance and reliability, do I like what what's the advantage for me in industry 4.0? Well, again, information is we don't have to wait for the information. Information is in our hand. You easily accessible. OK, if I have to see 
you know, hey, if I'm working on a machine and I have seen what's inside, where this ordering, how I'll take it out, I don't have to go and find that, you know, a, a manual somewhere. I can go key in on my phone or my iPad and I can see what's inside. I can see with my goggles. They call it a Google, a Google goggles or something. There, I can have all the information coming in front of me. So those are kind of things going to help us to do the job better, more efficiently and effectively. You know, those are the advantages. Again, to me, it's going to take a while because many of us in the field, a little bit reluctant to use that technology just because it's just coming out. It takes a lot of, still there are some bucks there. And also we have to do some learning ourselves. I have to do some lot of learning on this new technology. I'm old fashioned guy and still I print out something to read it, you know, but again, it's gonna take us a while to learn this new technology. And meantime, people are work making them better and better, taking bucks out. Like think about, you know, 50 years ago, we had a vacuum tapes in our, TVs and number radios and all this. Hey, those has been replaced with solid state, which are much more reliable and faster, all those kind of things. But it took us many years to make that happen. So now we this new technology, solid states, all things is going to take a while, but I think those are going to help us a lot to do our job more efficiently and effectively. Yeah, yeah. The sound is not as good, though, Ramesh. When you listen to an MP3, you are not getting what we used to listen to. <laughs> so, um, so let me play the devil's advocate, because a lot of folks listening are in a reactive maintenance organization. And, and they don't have a wonderware or an ignition or, you know, may, maybe, you know, they're their management team is just now deciding, hey, we're going to go down the path of industry 4.0. And they're thinking this is going to fix everything, right? Just like they thought the computer was going to fix everything. And just like they thought a robot putting a package in a box was going to fix everything. How do you communicate to the maintenance folks that still aren't really doing the basics right, but have to get prepared for industry 4.0 coming down their the pipe here well again i think is education we have to edu start educating our people slowly again there's a lot of reluctant and the reluctant from us me including is to get accept this new technology because there are some bucks there some works good some don't work good so i think slowly those bucks will be taken out make them better though component, I mean, again, digital format will be better and better. I mean, we have to start somewhere. So start putting our procedures in a more, in a, a digital format in our, so easily accessible to an iPad or something. I mean, to start and using like a, your Maximo can be used more effectively on a on a mobile devices, you know, that would be a good starting point. How we can start having a, those work instructions and all in our mobile devices so we can see what's work is, you know, once I've done this work, 
uh, finish the, my next job is this or this. I don't have to go to office again. You know, then I can go directly. So reduce my time, use my time more e efficiently, effectively. So I think we have to make a plan there. What's achievable based on type of people you have in your workforce? You know, hey, is a more young people who are easier can accept this new technology? Yes, you can do faster. But you got some older mixed kind of a generation there in your workforce, then you have to think, you know, you have to think and plan accordingly what you can do in what time frame. You can set up your plan, hey, next two years or five years, we're going to do this, this, this in a planned fashion, this implementation of new technology. You know, there's an advantage, yes, but, you know, how we can make this more to a usable farmer workforce. You have to think who are your people are, how you're going to educate them, how you're going to train them, and what technology you're going to bring, and what phases you know you can do that. You know, you have to think about that. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. There's challenges ahead for everybody. I think um, one of the interesting things you brought up was that you know maybe there's bugs or or bugs still exist today, and they're hashing that out. I remember you know, 20 years ago, all the devices, none of them talked to anyone else, right? So if you bought something yeah. from Rockwell or bought something from Honeywell or bought something from wherever, you know, ABB, um, PLCs, wherever you got it, Alan, you know, Alan Bradley, those things had very proprietary language and there was not really a way around it. And so you were, in some cases, even in a whole machine train, each station in the train didn't talk to one another. And they're now trying to, or at least are well on their way to normalizing that information. That information can go into an OSI Pi and get normalized. And, and a system like Ignition can pull that out. And you can see all of that data in one location now, which was something you really didn't have available before. And I, the challenge I see now is that operations is going to realize that in many cases, they're the issue and not maintenance. And I think maintenance needs to learn how to read that data because it's not in their CMMS, right? It's someplace else. But they have to be analyzing that data to help improve the reliability of the plant, which includes operations. Well, you said right again. I'll give you another example. A few years ago, a few years ago, we had a condition-based technology, ultrasonic, infrared, you know, all these different technology, and we had a different platform. Because each supplier vendor at that time has its own proprietary information. So we had to buy their system and they won't talk to each other. And then we set up a asset management process and we wanted to know one place how this asset is, what asset is telling us. So we wanted all this information from different sources to come one place readable and we can see what's happening. And it took us a four or five years, just a few years ago, we found one software which can take all this input in one place and tell us what's happening on our system, on that asset. So it's a gradual evolution. You know, we found and the vendors, suppliers are working on it. Also trying to merge this information, making a, it's a proprietary open, uh, uh, open structure uh, so that they can talk to each other. And that's what is happening. In fact, we were under a lot of web. We were in a, a meeting a couple of years ago, and we, some of us, 
guy from Boeing and from other places, we were all talking about these issues, smart sensors. You know, acceptance is one thing. Again, acceptance of these new sensors and new technology depends upon its reliability. And there were still some bugs. Some places they're still failing. So how we use? So that things are making better and better. And also, as we are educating our workforce, the acceptance is getting much much better. So I think in next couple of years or three, four, five years, as we work on, is acceptance of these new smart technology, smart sensor is going to go better and use a more mobile. Technology, uh, mobile devices to get all our information there is going to go better. So I think in next five years, we're going to see a lot more improvement or use of our industry floor for all kind of things in our workforce. And I think that's all the more reason why folks that are currently a more reactive organization um, need to go get management support to change that. Uh, especially if management is going down the industry 4.0 path because the technicians that are going to be required, the trade staff skill sets that are going to be required to manage those automated assets and work inside those PLCs and or the programming associated with that is a slightly different skill set than, say, a millwright, not meaning one is better than the other, but you have to staff appropriately to take care of the assets that you have. And if your assets are moving to a more digitalized asset, then your technical trade staff skill sets need to move also. Um, and folks need to need to be able to, to see that ahead of time. Yeah, I think as we, as you said, we have to start learning about this equipment as we get better and educate our workforce and we are going to do better. And another question you keep bringing up PLC, that reminds me, you know, place uh, I've been going, uh, one of my customer client or my friends, this location, automobile, and they were telling me every time I go, they say, hey, they have a standardized PLC, a couple of those. And they have about 10 kind of, they have been talking to, you know, their procurement guys, hey, let's standardize this PLC. Because these different PLC makes, they don't talk to, they have proprietary right. information. And that's another thing I think eventually is going to happen is that these proprietary architect of all these uh, PLCs will change and hopefully they will be able to talk to each other because that's a, one of the major problems in the industry today. All these PLC control systems, they don't talk to each other. You know, that's open architect would be much, much better. But I think as people start going into this, uh, uh, this, this uh, industry for over out, things are going to start happening that way, too. You know, it's I think they're going to have to. I think at some yeah, point, it, if you're going to hold on to I want my proprietary language, then you're going to be like Kodak saying, I won't make a digital camera. Right. That's you're, right. you're yeah. going to be out of business really fast because people just won't buy your stuff because it won't integrate to other stations in the in the line. Now, what language they're going to normalize to, even that will change because the, the languages that you program in change every year. But they're going to have to be open source. Otherwise, people are going to get left behind. Um, or companies will just say, well, why would I buy your PLC when it won't integrate to the other stuff I have? So... 
um, they'll lose cells, and, and that's not – eventually, hopefully, they, they all normalize to something. Yeah, that's right. I think things are going to change for good for us, hopefully. Again, we need to be asking for those from our vendors and suppliers. Hey, when are you going to do this? Another point is, which I get asked a lot of time, a meantime between failure data on our from our suppliers, our vendors, they don't give us. They need to start giving us some hint, hey, how it can fail and what's the rate on that failure, you know. Where again, challenges, every component we use is a little bit different, how we apply for our operation. Well, that's, but again, they can give us some standardized number to speak, you know. So a lot of things are going to happen good for us, hopefully, and we need to keep asking to, from our suppliers and our vendors. Awesome. Well, um, thank you so much, Ramesh. This has been a really good conversation in giving us a little insight into what Industry 4.0 is. Um, folks can certainly reach out to either one of us to kind of get a little more information if they need that. And by the time we talk next time, Industry 5.0 will be out, and so we'll have to kind of have that conversation. Um, but again, thank you so much for your time. Thanks, Ramesh. Thank you, George. Awesome. Thanks. For Ramesh Galati, I'm George Williams. Go make tomorrow better than today.